Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen, and if you better, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day that you are now from God, that you are one, true, and holy, and that you will be done with God on earth and through us, even through this radio show, as it's being done and declared in heaven. I pray today that we will speak of the oracles of God, that you'll give people eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your truth, your counsel, even in these very treacherous days. That you give your bride wisdom, strength, honor, counsel. And I thank you, Lord God, that no weapons formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken. You are me to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. And that we will walk with honor and integrity as we walk with you and participate, Lord God, in your kingdom. And we thank you, Jesus, again, for your salvation, for laying down your life for teaching us how to do the things that you've called us to do through your spirit who dwells inside of us and in the midst of this great war, this battle for the souls of men, that you give us wisdom, that you give us truth. And we ask these things now, Father, in Jesus' name, put your on us. Amen. Hey, welcome to The Bride Wears Combat Boots. Um, we are going to continue our discussion today about... Um, just what it takes in these very critical days to walk as the daughters and, and sons of the Most High God in this Bride of Christ. Um, in Ephesians, you know, chapter 6, it talks about um, we do not, this battle that we're in, to put on the armor, to be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might, to put on the whole armor of God. And, and so that there's... Um, Praise God that there's a there's a war going on, even in the midst of us. So finally he says, Brethren, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand I'm sorry, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end, to the to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints so the thing is we must recognize that we are in a war a spiritual war a spiritual battle and as jesus so aptly described it and demonstrated it when he walked with us and so yeah welcome dana good to have you with us today 
Thank you. Yeah. You're cutting out Good a little you. bit. I'm not sure why, but uh, I'm not oh. sure if the listeners are hearing it cut out, but for some reason your words were getting yeah. cut out here and there. Okay. Well, we are having difficulty, and of course we understand that as part of the spiritual war, so we rebuke the power of the air from this broadcast, because Father God, we know, and Dana, I, I know we this is absolutely one of the most critical, central issues um, to the Bride of Christ and where we're at right now in this spiritual battle. Um, in case you missed it, I just read Ephesians chapter 6, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so, and going back to um, what we want to talk about today, I think it's really important for us to understand that this is a war. And the Bride of Christ, well, before we start, Dana, into what we want to talk about, can you give a little... Um, you know, we've talked about the bride of Christ. Who is the bride of Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, um, y- you know, there is Israel is the bride of Christ, and then we as being grafted in as children of God who have been born again through the Holy Spirit as the church are grafted in as the bride, and um, mm-hmm. we'll be reuni- united with Christ, um, and there'll be a great wedding feast, and, you know, we'll be united with him as one. Mm-hmm. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah, and, and I know that, I don't know, are we cutting out? Because it sounds like we were a little bit. So, but anyway, we'll keep going and God will fix it. Okay, so the marriage supper of the Lamb, we've talked about that. But, you know, before we get to that wedding feast and that celebration, we are in definitely in a huge spiritual battle. Um, and I think with the bride wearing combat boots, it really talks about that war. Uh, but the problem is the bride doesn't really know how to stand up in that war because it's a very treacherous terrain spiritually uh, that Satan has set for us to finally win. Uh, so the fact that many times, even in our current situations are, uh, and issues, she is uh, entrapped, ensnared, like we were talking last week, Dana, with false accusations, with blame, with um, what are we supposed to do uh, when there truly are crimes against God, crimes against us, injustices. And of course, the first answer is to forgive, but there is a, there's another part to that forgiveness. And, you know, one of the things that happens that we were talking about, and maybe you can explain it a little bit more deeply, what mm-hmm. what happens when we are unjustly accused, when we are mistreated, um, when we see injustices, whether it's in the workplace or in relationships or when you see an injustice, how do you come up against that injustice without uh, becoming a judge or without becoming uh, carnal or, you know, uh, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be nice, right? Christians are supposed to be always nice. Isn't that kind of <laughs> the way they see right. it? Well, after last week's show, you know, I was feeling really strong, Margie. I I had so many insights on in how to handle false accusation and blame and uh it was amazing the turnaround within one week when I really applied what God was showing me, how um, the accusations and blame stopped. There could be no weapon formed against me anymore. And it was just really amazing, just dying to self and just really guarding my tongue and having the Lord lead me and how to handle the situation. And I just felt this victory, uh, major breakthrough, excitement, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my problems are done. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm finally out of this vortex. But I can tell you within two days I was back in the vortex again and back mm-hmm. in just my stomach and nuts and tears and melting and 
um, mm-hmm. what I realized is that it wasn't now accusation of blame. It was injustice. It, it, it's uh-huh. like the, any meal, use anything you can to get to you. And because mm-hmm. the accusation and blame stopped, then it went into the injustice. And I guess the best analogy for me is I talk about being mama bear, you know, mama bear protecting her cubs. What does mama bear mm-hmm. do when there's an intruder or an invasion and her children are mm-hmm. vulnerable, when there's a, a threat or there's harm? Right. Well, she comes out with claws. She's ferocious mm-hmm. to protect her mm-hmm. cubs. She has fangs, her mm-hmm. claws, no holds bar, attack mode, ruthless, fierce, hellish, really, to face a mama mm-hmm. bear. And I realized that... Um, when we show emotions of anger, we are mm-hmm. labeled as, well, basically a hypocrite because what came back to me right. was, look, you're a hypocrite. You just did yeah. this radio show and now you're getting angry at me. You're a hypocrite. But mm-hmm. I realized, wait a minute, my anger is justified. And when we mm-hmm. go to scripture, we realize that God had what we label as negative emotions, anger, jealousy, even hatred. Yeah. There are scriptures where he hates, but he was without sin. Well, so, example, yeah, a good example of that would be in John chapter 8, where he's facing the hypocrites, the religious leaders of the day, who had so unjustly treated, made burdens too grievous to be borne, um, as he was saying to the people in, um, I think it was Matthew 23. And then in John, he's talking about, he's calling them, you're of your father, the devil, your brood of vipers, white-walled sepulchers, um, he was he was really showing an indignation, a, a final. This is it, you know, people. You know, I've been patient. I've given you the gospel. I've been. I've loved you. I've showed miracles. I've cast out demons. And I think the fact that he did all of those things, you know, in kindness and gentleness, tender mercies, and the whole time he was doing these good things for the people, he was being hated and scoffed at, and the enemy was looking for a way to, I think, trigger in him sin to get him, and yet Jesus did not sin. So obviously your point is correct, that there is a time when we can have a negative emotion, when we can call a spade a spade without becoming, and again, that only happened, you say, well, Jesus could do that, and we can't do that. Well, Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he had come, and he also understood thoroughly spiritual warfare and that he was dealing with the demonic he wasn't dealing with flesh and blood, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And I think that we turn our emotions, we're using, emotions are usually dealt with, come up, uh, manifest in relationships, and relationships are usually what we have with people. And so um, it, it makes sense that the we think, you know, we're kind of trying to sort out our negative emotions or our, our cry against injustice um, and, from the people who are carrying out those injustices. Right. So. Here's a conundrum, Margie. Here's the torture wreck. Here's the, here's the dilemma. Okay, on one hand in the Bible, I'm told to extend grace. Forgive 70 mm-hmm. times 7. That's 490 times. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm told to turn the other cheek. Do not judge lest you be judged. I mean, the scriptures are very harsh about judging others, right? But mm-hmm. on the other yeah. hand, if I take it to the other extreme and just let someone walk all over me, I've become a coexister, saying, well, they have license to sin. I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. overstep my boundaries to each his own, as long yeah. as they're happy. Yeah. You know, we're, actually, told to actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're told to tolerate. Condoning the right, right. We're told not to judge. But then what happens is, when I realized I was being shoved to that direction, like, wait a minute, this is wrong. This person's in sin, grave sin. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have a right to have 
anger at this right now. So what did I do? I started to stand up for truth. And Mm -hmm. I started to speak, um, you know, well, this isn't God's voice. God would not be telling you this. This is Mm -hmm. selfish motive. This is Mm -hmm. wrong. Well, all of a sudden what happens? I'm being called judgmental. I'm being called self-righteous. I'm being called holier holier than than thou. thou. Dana, Mm -hmm. you're playing God. Stop playing God. Or, you know, you're being a hypocrite. You're being intolerant. So it's this catch-22 where as, as Christians, as the brides, it's like, why aren't our combat boots on? They're not on because we're afraid to even speak up because it's such a catch-22 because we speak up and then we look like we're not forgiving, we're not full grace, we're not turning the other cheek. So right. how do I go from turning the other cheek to speaking truth in love, you know? Right. Um, in so other words. I feel like I was, I ha- I was trapped, you know? I, I mm-hmm. felt trapped and I felt myself getting confused upset. Sure. and then I then I got down on myself for getting upset and then you feel guilty like ah, yeah I'm not being the loving Christian I'm not being you know full of grace here but really in all honesty Margie I am being full of grace because because I care about the person I grieve that they're in sin if, mm-hmm. if I didn't well, care about the person I would allow them to be in well, sin here's so it's really the, not here's, hate here's, exactly and and I think this is the critical piece that there's a difference between being and behavior. You love the person, you hate their sin. And this is the same with parenting. You love your child, but you will not continue to over just look the other way when they're doing something wrong. We're very attentive to train them. And though we don't necessarily train each other, we are in that place where we are um, responsible to continue to love in spite of being rejected or or falsely accused, those are, you know, because it's not about me. Jesus said, it's not about me. You know, you can treat me the way you you will. I will forgive you. Um, and then it goes up to the Father. But when you're going back to this, the bride thing, I think we are absolutely confused with the treacherous ways that Satan has set up the political scenarios, the um, social issues, the um, and, and people are, are torn between taking a, taking a stand against the person or the system or the institution rather than the demonic spirit. So this is a spiritual war. You have to, if you don't put it in the context of spiritual war, demons, lies, the enemy, if you don't do that, then you will get trapped again and you will be pulled back into the mire of, you know, uh, condoning or, or, you know, being complacent. And that's the problem. We just... We don't separate them out because we still think, the bottom line lies, we still think that being godly is a certain um, behavior, set of behaviors. It's not. It's a set of being. It's being, and, and in a being, in a person, you have emotions that, you know, enjoy and, and um, encourage others and bless. You also have emotions that are negative, like, no, you won't. That's enough. Uh, you stop it, and, and and we become angry with sin. If we're not angry with sin, it says Jesus had joy above his fellows. He loved righteousness, and he hated evil. And so the, he had strong, polarized emotions when it came to sin because he saw that sin actually destroys the one, the ones he loves. And that's exactly what you're saying. Because you loved, you had to stand up. Is that is that well, not right? But- this is the thing. I've I've really wrestled with, uh, you know, Jesus saying, um, 
hate the sin, love the sinner. I mean, we, we quote that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. but, but really, it's, it's not real biblical. If I look in Scripture... What did and, you say? Hate, hate the sin hate and the love sin, the love sinner? Hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I I didn't even want to bring this up, but I, I'm going to. I've really looked at Scripture as far as God's hatred and his anger and his jealousy. And there's scriptures, for example, Psalm 5, 5, The boastful shall not stand before thine eyes. Thou dost hate all who do iniquity. So mm-hmm. it says he hates the person who does iniquity. He doesn't say, I love the person, I hate their iniquity. It says, thou dost hate all who do iniquity. In Psalm eleven five, it says, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. He's saying the one who does violence, his soul hates. Mm-hmm. And in Leviticus twenty twenty three, moreover, you shall not follow the customs of the nation, which I shall drive out before you, for they did all these things, and therefore I have um, abhorred them. So he abhorred them. Now, we know he's without sin. So this is mm-hmm. a hatred that is not sinful. So we can't equate this to us hating someone. Obviously, we're, the greatest commandment is love. And God is love. That's why this is so confusing. The universalists say we're all God's children. Well, mm-hmm. is that even biblical? Are we all God's children? I know that when I become born again, it says I'm adopted. Now, I had three little baby boys come out of my belly, and uh, mm-hmm. they were born. And I went of years later said, well, I need to adopt my children. My children were mine when they came out of my belly. But God adopts us when we become born again. So then we become children of God. And it also talks about children of the devil, that we can either Mm -hmm. become children of God or children of the devil. And I know that it's very hard for us to think of God hating something. When we think of him, we're always taught he's love, 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 right? Um, Mm -hmm. But also in the Psalms, he talks about um, six things that he hates. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with these. Okay. Um, uh, you wanna, did you want to turn to that for says, a second? Yeah, Proverbs six, sixteen through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. Mm-hmm. A proud look, the attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that creates wicked plans, feet that run swiftly to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, even half truths, and one who spreads discord rumors among brothers. So mm-hmm. there lists six things that he hates. Now, I'm just looking mm-hmm. at the word hate. We could go with the word anger. You know, there's there's many mm-hmm. things that make God angry. Or jealous. Now, these are what look to be negative emotions, and we'd equate those as sin. Like, I would think if mm-hmm. I'm angry, I'm sinning. Mm-hmm. But are we really well, sinning if we're angry? Is there a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger? Well, let's go just go back for a second. Um, you pulled out a lot of things here. We have a lot of files open. Um, I believe that here's what happens, uh, because otherwise you go with the depravity of man, and I don't believe that. But what happens is we are made in the image of God. God creates uh-huh. us in his image. That's what he says, and so that's what he does. And God you know, loves justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, peace, purity, and hates sin. He hates sin, and he hates injustice, um, and he hates, and so do we. I mean, we're born to kind of like, kind of innately know those things, that we, do, the things that aren't fair, for example, we, we seem to just know that. But when, we're, when we come into this world, we are, uh, we are um, kidnapped, if you will, we're overtaken 
by the God of this world. We have no sense, no conscious awareness of God uh, as our Father or innate goodness or anything. All we begin to believe is as we're uh, absorbed and immersed in this snake pit of life, that we are what we do. That's what Satan wants us to be. We are what we do. So behavior becomes the critical issue. So therefore, he can make your behavior about sin. He can make then you the sinner and make you separate you from God and in that way try to convince us that there is no coming back to God. So God, in a way, has to come back to rescue or redeem us. Redeeming means to buy back. So in, it's it's an analogy where he comes back to... to um, release us from captivity, rescue us from the captor that has ensnared us in the lies and, and controls us. Actually, within our own lives, I believe these snares and, and, and strongholds are set up within our own e- emotions, our own uh, subconscious regions, if you will, until the devil uses those very things to control us with lies, with filters, with uh, patterns of destruction, until we don't know if we're coming or going. And until we recognize that we we're truly created by God and that that is our true divine nature. And then we come back to that one. When we get saved, what happens is the spirit of God comes in us and he reunites us, reconnects us. If you will, we've been disconnected. He reconnects us with the heavenly, the divine um, truth of who God is, truth, love, peace, and, and a desire to know God. And so then the spirit of God in us, dwells within us, stays within us, is beginning to bring us into truth and triumph. So but but mm-hmm. there's so therefore there's a battle within the devil is still contesting the property, the strongholds that he's set up within us to maintain control of us and continue in that control to get us to sin, to violate God, to um sin against God, and then bring us into a conclusion that God hates us because we sin. Therefore if Satan can get us to believe God hates us, then what's the point of life? I mean, go ahead and be evil because at least the devil accepts you and God has already hated you. That I, I don't believe that the word hatred as we interpret it in English has the same meanings in um, exactly. uh, in Hebrew uh-huh. and, and Greek. So, again, that becomes kind of a, a problem for people already feeling abandoned, alone, on their own. And this vulnerability to being abandoned and not feeling God's presence in your world, in your life, no endorsements, no acknowledgements, no no love of God in you, then it, it sets us up for that basic lie of I've got to do it myself and I'm on my own. Exactly. And so when we exactly. when we come it's to those our... two lies, that sets us up for witchcraft because witchcraft is the rebellion, is the power the, that is contrary to God. There's only two power sources, God and the devil. So if I'm doing it myself and the Bible does not recommend that we do it ourselves, that's not truth in the Bible. The Bible says, trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him. So when we're going with that lie, I'm on my own, God doesn't love me, I've got to be good in order for God to like me, love me, it all goes back to exactly where the devil wants it to go, and that's back to behavior. Um God, I believe God knows everything from the foundation of the world. He knew what you would do, when you would do it, where you would do it, and how you would do it, and why you would do it. And so he's not disappointed. He's not caught off guard. But he is committed to bringing us out of these snares and treacherous situations into the fullness of the revelation of his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. But the problem is, to receive God's forgiveness, you have to forgive yourself. You must forgive. Instead of believing the lie that I am bad. I turned from God. It's my fault. I had it coming. I was, I, you know, 
There's no way God is ever, I've got to work my way back to God through penance. I don't even have enough time left to do all that penance. So we believe the lie that I, I, I'm bad. I, I blew it. I, I can't forgive myself. Because no, you know why we have a hard time forgiving ourselves is because we are made by God. And we're made to love righteousness, truth, justice, purity, holiness, goodness, etc. And when we see ourselves falling from that or moving from that or operating against that, we are in a conflict with ourselves. And to forgive ourselves, you know, to hold ourselves in judgment, we're judging ourselves. Paul says, I don't even judge myself. He says, I judge nothing before the day. I do not have the privilege of judging myself. I only have the privilege of coming back into agreement with God who says he's forgiven me when I accept Jesus Christ and when I seek him. And when I seek God and he says he forgives me, then who do I think I am that I should hold myself in judgment against myself. That is demonic. That's a twisted, lying spirit of self-hatred, self-condemnation, self-bitterness, unforgiveness, unloving spirits, guilt, shame, condemnation, that are all demonic, that are holding me in a commitment to hating myself, rejecting myself, and rebelling against God who says he loves me. How do I judge myself as evil, bad, when God says, I forgive you? So unforgiveness Uh towards ourselves sets us up in uh, the – it really – there is, you must surrender. Like you said last week, we must die to ourselves, our own feelings, our own judgments, our own opinions, the lies that we believe. We must die to ourselves and say, yes, Lord, you forgive me. You are, that makes me know God loves me. That makes me know the grace and mercy of God to know that God forgives me and therefore I come into an agreement with him when I forgive myself. I'm no longer rebellious. I'm no longer in opposition to him or myself, because I say, God, you know what? Our our thing is pride. I want to do it myself. I want to prove I'm good. You don't have to prove you're good. You have to walk with God and recognize you are created by God to be good. Then by his spirit, you have the grace to do that. And so, and this is part of the bride's problem because she is so tangled up in her own, you know, sin and her own confusion that she can't stand up for righteousness, truth, and justice because she doesn't know who she is. Go ahead. Right. Margie, I'm totally on the same page with you. I think that it's confusing, though, when we come across these scriptures um, where God looks, you know, where he says he's jealous or he's angry or he hates, because we think of it Mm -hmm. like we think of hatred. And obviously God is is perfect in love. So even his jealousy, he's zealous for for us. Like if I see someone being led astray who I love, Mm -hmm. I... Of course. I'm jealous for that because uh, it's out of my love. So we know that everything right. based on is love. So if we read these scriptures at face value for what we would think they mean, yeah, we would right. come to this, those awful conclusions like you well, just and said, I think like that, God hates me, you know, I know and we I think know the it devil doesn't ha- say that. Yeah. I, I get that. And I think the enemy tries to, you know, push that religious context of behavior again and God hates me and I mean yeah and that's why a lot of people don't read the Bible because they just can't get through those swords those piercing Uh terrible rejecting alienating abandoning type of words and positions how can I live but then you have to go back to I didn't create myself I didn't ask to be here I am here because of a divine will we're brought forth not by our own will, not by the will of man, but by the will of God, who brought us forth for his purpose, for his, that he might bestow his love upon us. This is not just for a selective few. This is for whosoever will. And it, it really 
it really takes breaking out of that context of I have got to earn my way right my, my, my back to God. It's it's Jesus did it all. He finished it. Salvation is free. It, it you know it's the love of God that brings men to repentance and salvation. It's not you know we think that we are righteous when we're right. My righteousness does not come from me being right or perfect. My righteousness comes from Him. He is my righteousness. And out of that relationship, God now trains me like you train your children. They're not going to do everything perfect. But you don't hate them because they don't know things. You don't hate them because they're still learning things. You are jealous over them that they will get the the favor, that they'll do they'll get they'll get the blue ribbon, that they'll get the straight A, that they'll get the scholarship. You're, we're, that's how God is jealous over us, that we get prospered and blessed. And that's not a bad jealousy to have. Every parent who has kids, who loves their kids, is pretty much jealous and over their children. They, they favor their children over anybody else's children, which is totally, I guess, normal. You know? but, well, um, I, I, I'll go back to the Mama Bear example. Like if Mama Bear is splashing out and she has her claws and her fangs and all that, she looks angry and jealous and hateful. But it's all in the context of love. And protection. So everything exactly. God does is he's zealous for those he loves, which, like you said, he doesn't want any to perish. Right, so not willing. He is, so people, when they read the Bible and they don't have the bigger context of his love and grace, he's always working in that context. So although Mama Bear looks ferocious, it's because she's protecting the ones she loves. So it's, it's right. the love that's motivating what looks to be an aggressive act. I just exactly. wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, did you want to make a point? Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I said. Okay. Um, I just want to look at emotions. You know, they're very complicated. They're complex. It's a mystery to me. It's mystifying. It's difficult because we have all these emotions that you know we want to harness and control. And obviously, God has a lot of emotions too because we're made in His image. Like you said, right. I, I agree with you. Exactly. We're made in the image of God, so He's emotional. He has made me with these same emotions. And when I look at the Bible, I think that there is there's so many um, denominations that think that faith equates to not having emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the case. Like when I look at David even in the psalm, he has joy, he has loneliness, mm-hmm. he has fear, mm-hmm. he has gratitude, he has anger, yeah. he has contentment, he has depression, he has, he has praise, mm-hmm. he has darkness, yeah. he has strength. His uncertainty, he has trust, he's restless, he's hope, he's, out, he's outraged, he's persevering. So his emotions are all over the board. And I look at myself just in the last week, it's like, wow, the emotions I've yeah. had are all over the board. So yeah. the thing well, is, here's the deal. Different. Here's the deal, though. The emotions are the expression of the soul and your mind, will, and emotions. You're, 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 and some of those emotions are truly ours and, and valid and um but and authentic but some of them i think are even emotions that are not ours that the enemy is playing on them to exacerbate them or bring us into a place of desperation desolation fear god does not declare or desire that we go to that place of desolation or despair or you know desperation where he doesn't bring us back he he is but but see again emotions are of the soul but we are told in the Bible to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The, the soul and the body together would equate or create the flesh. 
And so, again, I believe when Jesus groaned in his spirit, it says he groaned in his spirit, that was an expression, an emotional expression. We would call it maybe emotional. But it was coming out of his spirit. And I think part of his distress at that point was just seeing the entanglement of the people, their hopelessness, their 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 so vulnerable to the lies and the circumstances and the situations, no match for the devil at all, no match for his um, his clever wiles at all. And uh, so the bride of Christ, you know, is, is you know, like you said, in a lot of these churches, we have the religious uh, definitions of behavior prescribed for the bride. She's got to be nice. She doesn't have any negative emotions. She never gets mad. She's, but that's not realistic. That's not war. That's, that's, um, what is that? That's, that's fake. That's phony. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at what emotions are, they're feelings inside of us, and they're caused by either pain or pleasure. And mm-hmm. they'll move us in a certain direction. So mm-hmm. the key is, if we have negative emotions, um, Satan will try to move us away from God with those emotions, whereas God wants us to move towards him in God's purpose and God's destiny well, for our life. Think thinking about emotions, you know, I mean, people go with feelings, emotions, feelings, the, and, and Satan, we pleasure or pain. I mean, those are the, the roots of, of, of our, but because we are in a lot of pain down here, the pain of separation from God, this hostile environment, blah, blah, blah. Even in the churches, people are looking for an emotional high. They're looking for an emotional release. They're looking for the presence of God. They're looking for a feeling that, you know, when we go to a movie, we, we look for an escape. We look for a feeling. And again, we're living in the flesh. I don't care if you're looking for a good feeling from God or you're looking for an escape from a bad feeling from the devil. You're still living in the flesh. And this will lead us astray because mm-hmm. we, when we walk in the spirit, when we deal with issues, you know, whatever political, social, uh, relational, personal issues with you and the other person, whatever that you're dealing with, we have to do it in the context of walking in the spirit as Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if he groaned in the spirit, this spirit also has some expression of what would look like emotion. But it was based in truth, the walking in spirit and truth. Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth, not in feelings, but in spirit and in truth. And so when we go with our emotions, yes, my, my soul says, I'm disgusted. This is horrible. I weep over this. Um, I, I just heard one woman uh, the other day, I don't know where I'd heard this, but she had just realized what abortion was and, and how graphic she'd seen pictures. And she said she wept for hours. That is, that's an, that's an emotional expression of the soul to weep for hours, you know, and that's okay. That's good. We have a soul. We have to express feelings and emotions, but we also realize within the context of God's word that the spirit must walk. We must walk in the spirit and in truth. And the truth is that um, there's, you know, it's not just about getting mad. It's just not about picking up a, a banner or a placard. And yes, some people do that. And yes, that's okay. Yes, it's okay to, um, if God leads you to sit on the you know, boulevard with your sin and say, I hate abortion or Jesus hates abortion, whatever you, you know, that's fine. But when it comes to really doing spiritual warfare, with the bride putting on her boots, we're going to have to do it in the context of the spiritual world, not within the context of the emotional world, which can go either way. Um, it doesn't give us a firm footing. 
Yeah, it's it's not, what I'm realizing is it's not a sin to have negative emotions. It's what we do with them, and they yep. can't lead to sin, and right. we can't be ruled by them. And right. what I realize is that when we have anger or indignation, it's righteous if it is directed towards what angers God himself. Like if we're aligning directed with God what? and with what angers God himself, like, yeah. we should be yeah. angry at the things that God is angry at. A righteous, mm-hmm. like, anger and indignation, they're justly expressed when we are confronted with sin. Like, we mm-hmm. should have anger towards child abuse. We should have anger mm-hmm. towards pornography, racism, abortion, like you said. Mm-hmm. And the Apostle Paul yeah. gives a really clear warning to those who anger God. He said, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Mm -hmm. Jesus expressed, you know, a righteous anger over the sins of the people, and his anger was directed at sinful behaviors and unmistakable justice, injustice. So it's okay for us to um, have that anger. It's not a sin itself, it's what we do with it. That's the key. Right. And and the the continued practice of it. Now some people will come out of these kinds of things uh in in their previous life before they were saved, they will have practiced and been part of and patterned their generational line has maybe participated in a lot of these things. But the whole point is to be sanctified, made holy, brought out of these things through the truth and through our following Jesus, he will perfect that which concerns us. So as we follow his spirit and obey, surrender our lives, walk in his spirit and not our own uh, carnal desires, our own spirit in our own selfish, whatever, in our own self, I just just die. Again, it goes back to dying to self. It's not about me. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. And so the thing is, this is a total transformation. This is not, we're not living on the same plane just trying to be good and trying harder to turn over a new leaf and do righteous things. This is a total, uh, like the between the caterpillar and the butterfly, this is a total transformation. This is something that only God can do, and he does it in that transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And because the mind is the place where we make a lot of decisions, the, the Word of God has to come into our minds to delete all of the lies and rewrite those lies with the truth, with hope, with love and, and grace and mercy. Because And, and yet going back to the wrath of God and wrath against sin, think of it this way. If you know we're in a family, let's say there's several siblings in the family, and the parents just allow the siblings to tear after each other, to cut each other with knives, to set each other up, to, uh, you know, and they're, they're violent towards one another, and the parents just ignore that, then is that parent really loving his children to let this kind of, ra- of wickedness and evil and, and bloodshed go on in his in his children? No. So therefore, the, the parent is obligated to put a stop to it, to deal with the the behavior, and that's God's job. That's not, you know, I mean, the siblings can try to protect themselves a little, but it's not going to work until the parent steps in and says, that's it, that's enough. And I think that's what a lot of was happening in the Old Testament, that's it, that's enough. Because every time God brought his children 
into a place of discipline, he also ended up then disciplining those he used to discipline his children, the Syrians, the Babylonians, whatever. And, you know, so God always had an end in mind to train up his children to make them a distinct people, to preserve them, not to destroy mm-hmm. them. And so God, God is in a different category than we are. He has to judge. He has to deal with these things. For, because if he didn't, he wouldn't love. He, he wouldn't be a loving God if he allowed these atrocities to continue on. And he, he does for a time. I mean, because he doesn't instantly now in the New Testament, he doesn't instantly bring the, the hammer down on people. Um, they think that God is, is not interested. He's not there. He doesn't, he's not alive anymore. He's, he's gone to a far country. He doesn't see. And so, therefore, that just promotes more of the, the wickedness. It's just like when the parents are gone. And the kids and the parents delay. The kids, after you know, first they're kind of careful. Mom and dad coming back, and we got to do our chores and we got to behave ourselves. But when the parents begin to delay, the children begin to loosen up, forget the warnings, and begin to take advantage of their free time, if you will. And um, they they begin to hurt and harm and disobey and get in trouble. And but the, but the parents are coming back. God is coming back, even though it may appear that He's been delayed in His coming. And some people say, and that's all part of the lie. It's all part of, if the Lord is, you know, it's scoffers in the last days. That's part of the signs it's that they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's not coming back. You know, but he says, watch and pray for you do not know the time of his return. Enter not into temptation. Be watchful. But going back to the bride, she is still, as you said, emotionally, she's tangled up in her emotions. She's tangled up well, in her soul. Well, I'll tell you, this world system is going to really push our buttons. I just want to give you um, just kind of a picture. Mm -hmm. You know, just as you go out and about in your daily life and you're out in the world, you can see a change in people's attitudes. And I just Mm kind of want to paint a picture. It's very much like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing where there's um, exactly what Jesus predicted would happen. There's people are acting very proud there's a delusion of grandeur, um, arrogant, narcissistic, self-focused. They don't like to admit any wrong. They don't have a conviction of right or wrong. They're very much into their image. There's a stubborn, rebellious spirit towards God, resistant to change, very boastful, lacking empathy, um, can't be reasoned with, many times backstabbing, forked tongue, disapproving mm-hmm. of others. Um, there's a cunning deception, half truth that creates kind of a confusion and uproar all around them. There's dissension. There's a stifling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we see this mm-hmm. attitude prevalent in our world system. But at the same time, like I said, it's the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. At the same time, many of these same people are very charming. They're very charismatic. They're very magnetic, persuasive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They they can even appear sophisticated, very worldly, seductive. Um, very much people pleasers. Many of them are workaholics. They are very high energy. They like to give gifts. They can appear altruistic. They can appear benevolent or even religious at times. They crave attention. Mm-hmm. But their mm-hmm. motive is always self-serving. So mm-hmm. in this in this kind of personality yeah. profile that is being bred in our culture as we've exactly. let go of God um, and man has become God, these are the kind of personalities we're going to come up against. And I know this personality well because I grew up with it and I face this yeah. on a daily, a daily, um, I, I face this in my daily life. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it is virtually impossible to not get emotional when you are interacting with people like this. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, biblically, we're not called to be Stoics. We're not zombies. If anything, mm-hmm. Christianity really puts a real life and care into our feelings. I've become mm-hmm. a deeper Passion. feeling person mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. I became Christian. And it's not always possible for a person to always be high emotionally. Likewise, right. it's not desirable for us to always be well, low, right? God wants yeah, us to be full of our yeah. emotions that and well, the, that they can... Yeah, well, what, what you're saying is actually in, in uh, the coming apostasy in Second Timothy chapter... Three verse one. You've just you've just read the same things, um, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. So they cover all that up with exactly what you said, that charming, charismatic kind of personality, but denying the power because they're looking to the power source of the enemy, their own selves, if you will, uh, which is, you know, you're buying electricity, you're buying power from the devil, um, and loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, taking captives. But right before that in Second Timothy, Dan, it says, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, 5, and 6, and the servant of the Lord, who would be obviously the bride of Christ, the servant of the Lord, in, in, in relation to others, we are to be servants. In relation to God, we are his bride. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition to themselves. If God, perhaps, God, perhaps, will grant them repentance or the revelation of truth, changing their mind, so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Right there is the, in, in a nutshell, is the gospel virtual warfare dynamic. But notice that we are in humility correcting those who are in opposition. We're not judging them, but we are discerning their sin and that their sin will lead them to destruction if they don't get repentance. If, and that has to come from God. So when we're dealing with people that are treacherous is what you're describing. They're very treacherous um, because you can never get a hold of them because every time you want to grab the evil side and and point it out, they flip to the nice side and they're giving gifts and they're being kind and they're giving you a smile and they're and and, and you know what that is called? That's called deception. That's also called divination. Divination is what the world does. It it presents itself as you know every everything out there, every law, everything they do, they present the good side of it. But really behind that is a desire to destroy and to kill and to crush. Uh, you know, for example, uh, just comes to my mind, GMOs, genetically modified organisms. We were presented, this will increase the food production. This will give us, well, feed starving children because we have all this extra food, 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 food. So that's the side they present. Not telling you that this genetically modified organism is also genetically modifying your your organism, your DNA. And so they, they that's what the world is. It's called deception, divination, treachery, witchcraft. That's exactly what you are into or up against, actually. And so how does the Bride of Christ stand on this place of slippery? Is This is a mess. Because if you if you come against, you know, these social issues, then you become a hater, you become judgmental, you become um, uh, holier than thou, as you already spoke about. So how do we really convince the person, that person that we're trying to convince, believes that they are what they do, 
they do not believe anything about being a being and coming from God and being a human being coming from God. Created. They believe they are what they do. So when you attack their behavior, they're interpreting that, that you are attacking them because they are what they do. But that is, that's the first lie. You are not what you do. You are t- tempted, you are twisted, perverted, deceived into doing those things because you believe the lie. You believed that lie, and therefore you act. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think our the problem is thing... they, our problem is that their first their foundational principles of how they define themselves are not correct. Therefore, they take it personally when we correct their behavior because to them that is who they are. Yeah, I think the first step is realizing that it's not realistic to think that you're not going to have emotion being around these people. Um, Jesus never expected us not to have emotion. He had emotion. And I think the Buddhist answer to this is detachment. Buddhists would detach from reality in order to have a facade of peace and tranquility. You know, but really then they're not engaging in the world. They just kind of exist in a different reality of, oh, whatever's happening around me, I'm just at Mm -hmm. peace and tranquil. And that that's not um, what Jesus that's would want either, right? That's out. not biblical. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Um, Jesus wants us to engage in this world. He predicted that in this world we'd have tribulation. Um, mm-hmm. He was a man of sorrows who understands our painful emotions because he experienced himself. And we are too. Himself. When we see this destruction in our loved ones, that brings great suffering and sorrow to us. And he says, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I think part of that is enduring that, you know, first of all, the attack against yourself personally and being misunderstood, uh, being rejected, misinterpreted, and and having no way to defend yourself. And really, again, that's where we go back to the Lord. He is my defense. He is going to have to be my deliverer. He is going to have to deliver me from the the perilous, you know, know, situation that I'm in where where it's treacherous. I cannot if I go this way, I, 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 I'm taken out by that. If I go that way, it's the torture rack. But knowing who you are, that you are loved, and yes, that we will suffer when we see their pain, and they don't even recognize their own pain. They don't recognize well, their own situation. Yeah, this this whole thing is not easy. This is not an no. easy to dilemma mm-hmm. to be in. Um, that's mm-hmm. why when we talked last week about um, being an overcomer, um, the battle is great, and the reward is great for being an overcomer. And obviously, this battle is not an easy one. It's very difficult to have self-control when you're put up against these circumstances. But Christians can never endorse sin. I think that's the key. Um, we can't knowingly interact with someone in such a way to give credence to their sin. Um, we could call this en- enabling someone. This weekend, mm-hmm. I, I called it coddling, saying, I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to condone this. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to accept sin. We don't have mm-hmm. to excuse it, and we don't have to allow it. Um, but we are to stand and defend truth in love, and we have a, an obligation to tell people this is not well, right. Well, actually, but you know, we don't have to allow it. But that's that's limited. Um, there's no way I can disallow or stop someone from right. sinning. I don't have that right. power. I don't have that permission but i cannot allow that sin to cause me to sin because exactly. i have to come back to the lord and ask for mercy and forgiveness and um for them as well I, you know if if you will exactly. forgive I, I believe our key is and when we're talking about forgiveness we're not talking about um permission to sin i am releasing you from the judgment that you're bringing upon yourself 
for this sin. I'm turning. I'm not judging you. I'm releasing. I'm forgiving you for the crime that you are actually committing against yourself under the influence of the evil one. So the evil one comes impersonating the person to himself or herself and persuades them through emotions, oftentimes feelings and the soul to make a choice. And that choice is deadly and destructive. And it's going to destroy them ultimately if they're not warned, if they don't take the warning, if they don't stop. So what we are, our faith is tested in is God going to stop them in time? I'm praying, I'm forgiving, I'm turning the crimes they've committed against me, against themselves, against you, Lord God, over to the high court of heaven because you know that behind all that is the liar who is persuading them, deceiving them, using their emotions to deceive them. Lord, you know the treachery of this whole thing. I have to trust my my faith is to God is going to stop this in time to spare my loved one. That's where my faith goes. I have to trust that God loves them more than I do and that I am willing to trust him, endure with him as he works in them because we are all God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But the enemy also wants to have his hand in uh, the crafting of us. And so he's trying to take apart, destroy, cut up, mar, defile the work that God is doing in and through us. So, so God also permits him. God permitted Satan to test Job. And God permit, and we know this, that Abraham had many tests and many trials. Um, all of the great men and women of God, many trials, many tests, tempted to be, uh, feel abandoned, to give up, to turn away from God, whatever. And so in our trials, which are more precious than gold, we are being perfected. Our love for God, our faith in God, our continued um, belief in God that he is good, that he's for us, is being tested by the enemy on every hand. And so God permits the devil to test us because that is part of the process of what we're going through down here. It's to be perfected. Uh, it says he will perfect that which concerns us. And the way he perfects us is to re- relieve, remove from us our own abilities, our own self, our own uh, opinions, our own desires and efforts, and, pu- and put his life, his life in us so that we, we come to the place where to live is Christ. In him, I live and move and have my being. This is the transformation. This is the perfection. It's not legally, religiously keeping laws and commandments and being nice to the sinners, uh, condoning their sin. That takes great wisdom and truth to know how to address each individual issue in a way that is, there's only one way that we can address these particular things that will please God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way. So, um, you know, you have God's wisdom and direction on, you know, is it time to say that's enough? I'm not coddling your sin. Uh, or is it, is it time to say, you know what? You need to grow up. You need to recognize what you're doing. Uh, I can't make that decision for you as much as I would love to. I cannot control you. I cannot manipulate you. I won't manipulate you to make you feel guilty or to make you feel to come back to me or whatever. I will not do that. But what I will do is look to my God, who is the only one who is able to deliver you from the snare of the evil one. Only God has the ability to deliver us, the bride, if you will, from the treachery of this world that she's she's, uh, caught in right now. Only the Lord God. And he delivers some people through martyrdom. He delivers some through, you know, the, you know, they went to jail. Some were delivered. Some were not. God knows your heart. And ultimately, that is what he looks at is he knows. He knows. 
he knows the whole story. He knows what the devil's doing. He knows what's going to happen. And so he is faithful. He's good. And he's just, but we have to continue in the midst of this horrible situation to continue to believe God is good and he is for me. Um, and then it doesn't, you know, and, and pray that that will be the revelation he also gives to your loved one. Yeah, I think here's the deal. This is not hate. In fact, um, standing up to someone is the opposite of hate. If I love someone, mm-hmm. I should That's be right. pained that they are being led astray. I'm in pain that they are being That's led right. astray. So to You're sit suffering. back and do nothing, and it, to sit back and do nothing and make it appear that their sin is okay and acceptable, keep them from having a conviction of sin and repentance. Because that's what I want, and that's what God wants, is for them to turn from their sin and to repent. So I, if I look at my behaviors in that context, if my heart is the same as God's heart in wanting to draw them back to God, then I'm going to handle my anger in a right way. And I think Paul gives us some really sound advice on um, what the appropriate pro- approach is in Romans twelve, nineteen through 21. He says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, on the contrary if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Where is that again? And reference. That is in um, Romans twelve nineteen through twenty one, because okay. you know if if someone is in complete sin and they're not going to turn back from it, it's God's deal, it's not mine. Like you said, He's the judge. That's his. That's his thing to do. What He wants me to do is speak truth. So in Second mm-hmm. Timothy three fifteen through seventeen, I think is the key. I think this is our answer, where it says all Scripture is God breathed given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instruction, for conviction mm-hmm. of sin, for correction. So mm-hmm. there's where we want them to be corrected, right? So it's mm-hmm. for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, mm-hmm. outfitted and thoroughly acquitted for every equipped for every good work because that's Mm -hmm. our desire like Mm -hmm. when i was standing up to this injustice this weekend it was out of love because you are pained for that person Mm -hmm. being led astray and you want them to do what's right and you know like you said margie it's not the person in their spirit they want Mm -hmm. what's right too they want Mm -hmm. the things of god they desire that in their spirit so deep down in their spirit but the person's listening to emotions fears um, trepidations, just a mm-hmm. lot of like you know when you look, when you see someone listening to their own voice rather than the voice of God, because mm-hmm. because we're made in the image of God, God's voice when we're born again, His Holy Spirit's in there, like you said in the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and it's and He's always counseling us and leading us into truth. But it's that still quiet voice that people push down because they're mm-hmm. escalating their emotions and um, basically they're being a slave to their emotions rather than That's a slave right. to the Spirit within them. That's right. That's right. And it says, you know, as you were reading, that all of those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, and that would be the bride, desiring, and we are in, I would say, the critical last days of our of our purification. We are in the persecution, and it, whether it's personal or or persecution, you know, on a a, big, a bigger sense, uh, through from a, a social situation or a government agency that's after you or whatever, we're being purified, perfected. Um, 
suffering that persecution and how will we endure will we take it personally will we become offended will we you know give up on that person or will we continue to believe god and continue to love them and suffer love really suffers we all think well i don't love him anymore i don't feel like i love him you know love really is defined by the word suffering he he bears all things believes all things hopes all things first corinthians chapter 13 and so if you're suffering uh and and but don't take it personal it's not about you it's not about, it's about lies. It's about, the devil's trying to get you to take it personal. He's trying to really X himself out of the equation so that it all looks like this is just people against people. And it's not, it's very, very much a spiritual battle. And Jesus demonstrated that constantly when he dealt with demons all the time. And he gave us authority to cast out demons, to bind. That's another thing, binding and loosing, binding and forbidding these demonic spirits, forces, lies, strongholds, whatever, that are working in your loved one's life, bind them in the authority that Jesus Christ gave you. Now, that doesn't mean you can cast them out. That means to bind or restrict or forbid them and then release or loose into that person the opposite, which would be a desire for God, freedom, the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, and his truth. So our warfare, is our, our battle, our weapons are not carnal. They're not AK-47s and whatever. They are binding and loosing. And then the other power God gave us was to forgive, which means release the crimes committed against you and against your loved one over to the high court of heaven and let God judge the enemy who is behind the whole thing. Not to lose sight of what's really going on here. And of course, in the fact that you're suffering, you are being also perfected because your faith in Christ, his ability to pull your loved one back uh, out of the flames. And that's what it says in Jude, Jude, pulling them away from back from the fire, from even the gates of hell. Um, and then it says, uh, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. And that is, again, deceiving and being deceived. They are not only deceiving others, they're also being deceived themselves because they are imposters. They're presenting themselves to be something they're not. Um, they're living in a false, uh, uh, flattering world where, you know, they're promoted. They're, uh, uh, you know, uh, promoted, I guess is the word. And, and they, they believe that there's something they're not. When our whole goal as believers is to die to ourselves, it, it, you know, Paul says, I'm, I, I no longer live. It is not I who live, but the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. This, again, goes back to transformation. This is what the Father is after. He's after our divine transformation so that we'll walk in the identity as the bride, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, as overcomers, as victorious, and not as you know, uh, sheep with our tails between our legs because we can't figure this out and we don't know what to do. And a lot of our church uh, disciplines, teachings, and interpretation of the Word of God is not helping much because it, it always goes back to behavior and doing rather than being, abiding, and belonging. So um, that, you know, again, the Scriptures as rightly divided, Timothy is told to rightly divide them, not not divide them or interpret them, understand them, according to a demonic interpretation or a spirit guide or a uh, an antichrist spirit that's impersonating Christ to you or a, a false uh, Jesus or a spirit of error or deception, divination, or a demon that acts like the Holy Spirit counseling you. These are also treacherous things that are within us that can also set up problems in understanding what what it looks like to go to war. In, in, in the, and, uh, and it may look like as the bride goes to war, puts on her combat boots, it may look like we're thoroughly defeated. 
it may look like um, that we are imprisoned, that we are thrown to the gladiators, we're thrown to that where we become fiery torches. But are we? Is the outcome the determination of overcoming? Not really. The outcome that look what it looks like to us, to the world, is temporary because it's what God says it is. And our faith, faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and it is the faith of Jesus Christ in us. He was persecuted. Look how he overcame. It looked like he was totally annihilated, humiliated on the cross, dead, done, a fool, if you will. Jesus looked like, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the religious community, in the eyes of the Roman soldiers, he looked like, and even in the eyes of his followers, he looked like a, a, a fake, a, a fool. Nobody really understood what it mean when he said when it meant he was going to res- resurrect in three days. And surely, I don't even know then if they expected it, but it, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is that you are in and doing and standing for the truth, wisdom, in the will of God, whatever that is. And right. that's what I, go ahead. And, and you know, I just want to close with something um, encouraging, positive, something to aspire to, because, you know, we want to be overcomers and we want to be victorious in this battle that you just mm-hmm. outlined. And this world here is boot camp for something greater. God has plans yes. for us in heaven. He wants to bless us and uh, he wants to give us duties there. He wants to um, give us mm-hmm. crowns. He wants to bless mm-hmm. us. And, and the only mm-hmm. way he can bless us is if we have something to persevere and uh, the only way we can persevere mm-hmm. is if we're in a battle. So he allows yeah, these exactly. um, these battles Testing. in our life. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to um, close with, I looked up the mark of the best soldier, just from a secular perspective, as mm-hmm. we are going to go further into the bride wearing combat boots. I don't know much about armies or being in mm-hmm. war or anything like that. And I just, I know scriptures, but... I want to just look at um, the mark of the best soldier from a secular perspective, and I just wanted to just outline some of these traits. Number one is dependability. They have to be, there has to be a certainty in performance of duty, that they're not just going to fall away. Um, they have to be able to bear hardship, extreme hardship. They have to have courage, um, recognizing a fear of danger, but proceeding in the fact of it with calmness and firmness. They have to be decisive, mm-hmm. an ability to make decisions promptly, to announce them in clear, forceful manner. They have to have endurance, mental and physical stamina. They have to have enthusiasm and interest and exuberance in performance of duty. They have to have a high level of integrity, which is soundness of moral principles. This includes truthfulness and honesty. They have to have a sound judgment to make good decisions. They have to seek justice. They have to be able to administer a system of rewards and punishments impartially and consistently. And they have to have um, knowledge, both professional and unselfish. Avoid providing for one's own comfort and personal advancement at the expense of others. So it's putting yourself, Mm -hmm. your own needs second. And they have to be seriously loyal and faithful. So that's what's looked for in a soldier. Now we can find scriptures that fit those criteria biblically mm-hmm. because we know the scriptures that call us these things but that's yes. that's what god's looking for is 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 a good soldier and i want to be a good soldier i want to get to heaven mm-hmm. and have have him say well done good and faithful servant so mm-hmm. those are well the, you the are a good soldier he says in uh second timothy chapter two verse one you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and the things which you have heard of course pass on to others 
Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we are. Uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. unto good works. And God is using these very fiery, difficult situations. So my word to everyone who's going through these fiery trials, I would call it the crucibles. If you're you know, in the fiery trial, rejoice. Rest in God. He is your deliverer. He is your wisdom, your counsel, and your peace. Do not react. Only act according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what to do, be quiet until you know. Sometimes God doesn't give his orders right away. But rest in the Lord. Be rejoicing, resting, and seek the revelation of Jesus Christ for these things. Because all of this manner of evil that is coming upon us, coming upon our fa- our families, our children, our husbands and wives, our marriages, our, our social systems, our schools, all manner of evil has already been prophesied that it will come. These perilous times are upon us. Therefore, do not be discouraged, but look up because our redemption draws nigh. And, you know, we're not looking for a quick fix. We're looking for um, the, the glory of Jesus Christ, that you're going through this for the glory of God. Let that be your motive. And if that is our motive, everything else will be correct. As you get to the end point correctly, that is for the glory of God, then you're he will straighten out everything else so that your desire is for this to be to the glory of God. So we just want to thank you, Dana, for joining us today. A couple of things, a couple of announcements for those of you who are local. Uh, we're going to be doing a workshop on, uh, on untangling the lies, uh, untangling the lies, discerning those lies before the lies get to you. Uh, untangling lies uh, on October 17th. It's Saturday, October 17th, coming right up in uh, Rogers, Minnesota at the Holiday Inn and Express. Holiday Inn in Rogers. For more information, you can just check our website at liferecovery.com. And um, there is a registration, but there is no fee. It is free. Uh, We encourage you to bring your own lunch so you can sit through the question Q&A at lunchtime. And uh, so that starts at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and we'll go till about 3-ish, 3.30, something like that. Um, You're welcome to come. Uh, If you're a counselor and really want to... um, hone your skills and whatever you want to call that we really encourage you to come uh and so dana i just want to thank you again for an awesome uh, conversation and i'm hoping that you can join us again next week for part two of the bride wears combat boots sure absolutely i'm sure god will bring some new experiences in my life to talk about (laughs) (laughs) and yes and and hopefully hopefully next week we can maybe enjoy um the conversations of other people call us and we didn't give out the call-in number today but hopefully next week we'll have some of you join us on our conversation so god bless you all have an awesome week and be mighty in the lord and the power of his might amen I have an emergency. What is your location?